I'm going to share just something with y'all as before we get into this. I want to share something that is just so important that that we need to get a hold of. And I, I'm going to tell you, in the middle of difficult things, God does stuff. You know, I was we went over Thursday, and we spent. Um, I worked most of the day Thursday, and then I went Thursday night, and then all day, pretty much Friday, we went over. And then we were there yesterday, and I was watching the kids. I, well, I say the kids. Uh, they're both teenagers now. Caleb and Jordana were, were there, and I was watching them while everybody else had gone away from the house. And, and neighbors were coming by, and neighbors were dropping things off and all this. And, and so I was standing outside talking to a lady that I just met that was a, a neighbor, and, and I was sharing with her some things that actually some of you have taught me about you don't have to say anything and and you just need to be there and I'm and I'm talking to this lady I don't know her I never met her before this moment and and we're there and and so she as we were carrying on this conversation and she was telling me she lived just a few houses down and and, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit just, just drops, you know, something into your heart. You can't take any credit for, for saying it. And I, I looked at her and I said, isn't it interesting that so often we live in a community, but we do not live in community? And she looked at me and she said, I don't really talk to anybody about this. She said, I talk to my husband, but she said, I cry every day. She said, my mother passed away two months ago. And she said, I, I, just, I just don't know why. But, and she started talking to me about it. And so I spent about 20 minutes just letting this lady talk. And I told her, I said, I know you don't know me. And I said, but for whatever it's worth, I said, I want you to know that I'm going to be praying for you. And, and it's okay to hurt. I was, you know, we spent so much time this week uh, doing all of that. I, I, God, I was having to, as we were riding back and forth to Douglasville multiple times, but it, you know, it, basically every day. I was just having to let God work on my heart in a little unusual method for me of, of how I was, he was going to give me what, what to preach today. And I was kind of wrestling through a lot of different things, but I was just letting God speak to my heart. Because normally I'd be sitting at my computer where I could pull stuff up and I could compare scriptures and I could get all, and I just didn't have as much of that opportunity this week. And so... But God kept dropping in, and I, I normally just, I won't preach things along the lines of, typically along the lines of holidays and things like that, um, unless God just absolutely causes me to. But God just dropped into my heart, particularly, guys, as I was standing there, and it's one thing to watch it on TV. It's one thing to watch an honor guard on television. It's one thing to watch a 21-gun salute on TV. It's one thing to watch them play taps on TV. 
It's a whole other thing when you're standing right there by a family and it's your friend. And as I watched all of these guys show honor to my friend, who's a lieutenant colonel, as I was talking with the two military chaplains, wonderful, wonderful guys, both that pastor churches. One is a church planner. Uh, back in 09, and another pastors of church that's 180 years old, doing fantastic work. And I was listening to them talk about freedom and all this, and God just kept dropping it into my heart for us to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 today. What does it mean to live in freedom? Because we're going to, I mean, today we here, we're going to, you know, we're going to cook some food and we're going to do all this stuff. And, and those are good things. There's nothing wrong with any of that. And, you know, if it was, we wouldn't be doing it. What does it really mean, not just in our country? Because I'm, I'm not trying to preach a patriotic sermon today. Because that's not the true freedom. Because there are, as much as I appreciate dearly, and especially even more so today after yesterday. And I appreciate what God has done and what people have done in our country. I mean, uh, guys, there's people that could at any moment could just hold up and their life would be on the line. But yet there's a greater freedom. There's a bigger freedom that's available. And there's a bigger freedom that all of us, if we have named the name of Jesus Christ... There's a bigger freedom that we have engaged in. But Galatians is going to tell us something about how we need to live in freedom. And that's what I want us to look at today. But I want us to pray before we go into God's Word and then we'll give His Word priority. God, we thank You and we give You all the praise and all the honor. Thank You for what You've done in our lives, for what You're doing in our hearts. God, thank you for this freedom that we experience in this country. But God, I cannot thank you enough for the freedom that we experience no matter what country we are in, no matter what our background, no matter what the oppression, but a freedom that can be had through Jesus Christ. And so God, I give you praise. And God, I give you honor and I give you glory because you have called us And you have led us into freedom. So God, I ask that you would anoint your word. God, keep me out of the way. That it would go into our hearts. And it would do something powerful and meaningful in us today. God, I just pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. And the church together said, Amen. I told Jason just to stay back there. If I finally decide I don't want him, you know, I'll say something to him. I just I feel I feel one of those kind of moves today. Galatians chapter five, verses one through five, this is what it says. For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. 
I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Taking you back to that first one. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. And don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. There is so much in this verse. Why would he have to say, for freedom, Christ has set us free? How could people who have been set free not truly be living in freedom? Why would it be necessary for you to stand firm? Why would, it, why would he need to say to us that no one can put you back into bondage? You need to make sure you don't submit back into bondage. Because for freedom, Christ has set us free. What does it look like to truly live in the freedom that Jesus provided for us? I want to share... Three things today about what it means to live in freedom. Number one that I'm going to share with you is we're free, yet we're servants. The second thing I'm going to share is living in freedom means no fear. And the third one is living in freedom is about the real abundant life. What does it mean to be free, yet be servants? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he said, Live as people who are free. Live as people who are free. Don't, don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as servants of God. Verse 17, he said, what does that look like? He said, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And even honor whoever's in charge. Not not in the church. He told them to honor whoever was in charge in the country. Live as people who are free. Sometimes when your heart's open, God will slip some stuff in that maybe you're not sensitive to the rest of the time. And as what Caleb and I were driving back yesterday, and, and I was just singing through, I was like, okay, God, i got to get ready to preach in the morning. And, and what do you want me to... Uh, you've been putting these, these into my head and these thoughts and into my heart, and, and I'm thinking about all of this and, and my responsibilities to... My, my friend and and God just kind of spoke in my heart and he said remember no greater love has any man than this than that he laid down his life for his friend 
My son did that for you. My son invested into you. And like Abraham, he can now call you friend. But Nathan, he's trying to invest in your life and your kid's life all the time. He set you free so you could have a relationship with him. So live as people who are free. Not using freedom to go, oh, I've been I've been delivered, I've been set free, and and so we're, we're going to talk about why, why would he say not using your freedom as a cover up for evil? We're, we're going to look at that in scripture. But then that last little phrase says, so t- for a moment, just take the middle phrase out. <coughs> Live as people who are free. Living as servants of God. Free. But servants. Free. But serving at the request of another. Free, but doing what someone else tells you to do. Live as people who are free. Why would he put this phrase, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil? Because of something we see in Romans. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. He has set you free. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Why? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's no condemnation. Why? Because you've been set free. So live like people who are free. Live like people who have been set free from condemnation. Live like people who have been set free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Live like people who have been set free and that the the penalty, the righteous requirement of the law has been fulfilled. That God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh so that in that flesh that sin might be paid for. Not just in Him. Not just in his flesh, but he said that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled not in Christ. Not just in his body, but Jesus came in sinful flesh, the likeness of sinful flesh, to be able to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law in us. Set free. God first called us 
to be servants of him. But then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul carried on this thought. He said, for you were called to freedom, brothers. But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. So we've been called to freedom, but yet called to be servants of God. So live as free. So we've been called to freedom, but live as servants of one another. God not only called us to be free, yet servants, but God has called us to be free and have no fear. Second Timothy verse one verse or chapter one verse seven says, "For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control." When God sets you free, He didn't set you free so you could be afraid. He set you free for no condemnation. He set you free from the power of sin, from the law of sin, and He accomplished that through Jesus Christ. So you're free from being condemned, so you don't have to be afraid of God. Not in the sense of afraid of what his punishment is going to be. We have a, a, a fear of God in the sense of, of reverence and of his holiness and of his magnificence and of his power. We understand to the little bit that we can get our minds around the awesomeness of who God is. And so we have that, that sense of, of reverent fear, but no longer having to be afraid of being punished. No longer any condemnation. So he took away the spirit of fear. And God doesn't give that to us, but what does he give us? He gives us a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of self-control. So a person living in the freedom of Christ should be a model of power, love, and self-control. But what is this power? What does this look like? I can't help but go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. You've been set free. But you've been set free to have a spirit of power. A spirit of love. A spirit of self-control. The power is that you will be strengthened and, and given the ability. Because now you've been set free. Now you no longer have condemnation to weigh you down. You have been given power through the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Jesus Christ, not only this is the here, near, and far scripture, guys. This is the when he was speaking this, the idea of J Jerusalem, that that would be where they were. The Judean Samaria was near to them, and to the ends of the earth was the far. So you've been set free, and not to be afraid. 
but to have power, and that power will have you to be a witness. How are we witnesses? Man, we could, we could spend the next hour talking about how we become witnesses. One of those is because we don't walk in fear. One of those I shared yesterday with his family, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, that, that he says, I don't want you to be ignorant that we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. He didn't say we don't sorrow. He just said we don't sorrow like those who have no hope. Who don't have hope. Why? Because you've been set free. Because you no longer have to be afraid. Because even in the midst of the difficulty and the hurt and the pain, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because even though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will, what? Fear no evil. Why? Because God has not given you a spirit of fear. But power. When others are being overwhelmed by fear. That's why I like that song. When my heart's heavy. When my bones can't stand all that. That's the reality of life sometimes. But what overwhelms is the goodness of the Lord. We've talked so much about love last week. And I just want to share this with you as a reminder. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. We said love looks like obedient service to others on behalf of God. Matthew 25. Jesus himself spoke and said, If you love me, then keep my commandments. God has not given you a spirit that leads to fear, but he has given you a spirit of power so you can be a witness, of love so that you can be obedient in service, that you can keep his commandments, and self-control. As I thought about this concept of self-control, I just simply came down to this definition that God just put on my heart. Self-control looks like more and more stability in our actions, in our thoughts, in our decisions, and in our lifestyle. You know, sometimes when we start out this Christian life, this walk with God, man, we go through these peaks and valleys that are so big. I mean, it's like we go on a spiritual Mount Everest and then we go into the lowest valley in the sea. I mean, the, the difference is unbelievable. We say, man, I, I don't understand. What a, how do I get to where that this flattens out some? God has not given us a spirit of fear. But God will give you a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. Does that mean there's a, a switch to flip somewhere and all of a sudden? No. In the same way that your witness grows, in the same way that we covered last week, that our love grows, our self-control grows. But here's the important thing. God 
has not given you the spirit of fear. We get the negative portion of that. Catch the positive side. But God has given you. God will give you. God wants to give you. Not you generate it. Not you come up with it, although we play a part in all of it. But God wants to give you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Which we call self-control. The third thing that we see in living in freedom is an abundant life. But I, I put a little subtitle under this and said living in right blessing. Because there's folks writing books and stuff about living the abundant life. Spiritual books about living the abundant life. And, and it's all about how that God will bless you so that your house is paid off and, and this is done and you got that. and you got, that's, not, that's not living in the right blessing. Now if God wants to bless you and your house gets paid, I hope he blesses me. I'd, I'd like to pay mine off, you know, and all that stuff. But that's not the that's not the the, the abundant life. Bird and I keep seeing these pictures of of these guys there in Uganda. That man, as we sit here and celebrate the freedom that we have and the access to things that we have, they don't even understand what some of that stuff means. But those guys are living an abundant life. When you're watching ladies be given an opportunity to have a child and actually have some, some medical gear like we talked about Wednesday night as we've been seeing them post. We don't even think about, if we go to the doctor, that somebody's got to make sure that there's medical you know, gloves and, and, a, and a fresh scalpel or something that's been cleaned. We don't think about But I would not dare to look at people that are winning the lost every single day and say, I'm sorry that you're not living the abundant life. And if I wouldn't say that, then it must mean that the abundant life is not contained in those things. So I thought and I said, God, but then what is it, the abundant life, what, what does that look like? And he put in my heart John 10, 10 where we get this abundant life thing. But he made me think about the beginning of it. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Things that steal, that kill and destroy are not really part of the freedom of God. You go, wait a minute though. Aren't we all going to pass from this life? Yeah, let's clarify that a little bit. When it comes to us spiritually, things that steal, things that kill, things that destroy. That's, that's not what God wants for people who are free. Man, we live, in a, we live in a fallen world. We started passing from this life the minute that we took our first breath outside of our mother's womb. I mean, that's 
one of the things that, that God through Christ is going to redeem is all of creation. Not just us. All of creation. The Bible talks about that the very earth itself groans in anticipation of when He will reveal those that are, that are us. And then when all those things will, will be fully redeemed, He created all things to be in this right relationship with Him. The abundant spiritual life is that nothing, that we don't allow anything to come in and steal from us spiritually. We don't allow things to kill stuff off in us spiritually. We don't allow it to destroy spiritually. Why? Because we find that that which sustains us, that which upholds us, that which provides for us is not in us. It's not generated by us, but it comes through Christ. So we looked at last week that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Therefore, he's the one who writes the words. He's the one who authors the sentences. We're not the ones going back behind him and, and ghostwriting and saying, well, I want to change and I want it to say this. He authors this thing. And do I dare believe that there is anything that can steal, that can kill, or that can destroy God himself? Because even, even Jesus said, all oh, this is so powerful. Jesus himself said, remember this, he said, no man takes my life. You can't even steal from me. You can't kill me and you can't destroy me because I'm the one that has the power to lay it down and I'm going to take it back up again. You have no power to do to me what I don't allow to be done to you. And then I can look at the story of Job and I can see, and even though it boggles my mind that God opens him up for this, but yet God intended to sustain him. And God said, you can't even do anything to him that I don't allow to have happen. The enemy said, I can't get to him. I've seen him. I've identified him. And apparently, I've tried to get through, but you've put a hedge of protection around him and I can't get to him. Because my God can surround and protect me to where that nothing happens. But then if God so allows, And he will still sustain me in the freedom that he's paid for through Jesus Christ. Is the abundant life about finances and prosperity? No. Is the abundant life about never experiencing pain or setback or loss or suffering? No. Pastor Steve there, Central Baptist, spoke to us. We were together with the family before the service yesterday, and he shared, he said, you think about pain and sorrow and all these things, and he said, just you can go through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you can see where God experiences. Jesus wept. Abundant life is not about never experiencing these things. The Abundant life, though, is about freedom. It's about freedom from things that would control. It's about freedom from improper feelings. 
It's about freedom from wrong attitudes. You know the reason that so many people, they struggle so hard in their spiritual life and why they, they're in church for a while, then they're not in church for a while. Then you know why this stuff happens? It's because they won't live in freedom. They get bound up with expectations. They get bound up with, with ideas and attitudes and all of these things. And yet, if it is Christ that lives in us and we have been crucified with Christ, yet it's Him that lives. If it's, if it's that, that we have died to ourselves and been resurrected a new person, man, then at some point, we just got to be set free to live in freedom. And we got to be able to look around at each other and go, hey, you know what? You're not perfect and I'm not perfect. But thanks be unto God, we serve a God who is perfect and who is drawing us all to Him. And if we all draw closer to God, we can't help but draw closer to each other. The abundant life is about freedom from a lot of things. But the abundant life is also about freedom to a lot of things. It's about freedom to God's direction. It's about freedom to solid relationships. Why? He said, they'll know you're my disciples because of your love one for another. The abundant life is about freedom to godly encouragement. He said, exhort one another to good works. The abundant life is about freedom to godly priorities. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So as we sit here today and, and we celebrate this weekend, Independence Day, freedom as a country, and yet we could, we could lament the things that are going on in our country that, that seem less free and more restrictive and all of those things, but I want to tell you this. They can come and they can walk in this door and they could put shackles on every one of us and take us away to prison. They could, they could do terrible things. But he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. It is for freedom that we have been set free. You know what I got out of that? Stop being not free. Make a decision today in our own hearts. Where that we say, God, you have set me free. Now let me live like I'm free. God, I refuse to be bound by anything that would come against me. I refuse to be shackled, tied up, held back, restricted, oppressed by anything. He says, you've been set free, but you're not living like you're free. I want us to pray. God, I thank you today for the freedom that we experience as a country. I thank you for the freedom that my friend, Lieutenant Colonel Eugene Butler, was deployed several times. And help defend. I thank you for the freedom that my friend sitting right here, Gene Wells, has defended. I thank you for our friend Dennis Langley that has served. 
I thank you for my friend, Pat Smith, that served in the Navy. I'm privileged to know men and women who were willing to put their lives at the front line. God, even with the great esteem that I hold all of them, then I turn and I see that your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died, guaranteed putting himself, not just on the line, but knew he was going to die, knew he was going to suffer, knew he was going to bear the sins of the whole world. All those who would come to receive you. Put that on his shoulders. Put that on his back. Figuratively on his head. Experience those things. A pure and holy God. That would then turn around and say, It is for freedom that you've been set free. So live like you're free. Thank you. For what Jesus did. God, I pray that you will help us today. God, I pray that you will help us spiritually to encourage one another to live free.